Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And today we are here at Corkscrew Barbecue with... Will Buckman. Nicole Buckman. Howdy, howdy. Howdy, folks. So this is one we've been wanting to get to for a while. You know, one of our local favorites, but uh, we're saving we're saving some of these for a long time. You know, we uh, we hope to do this show for more than a few weeks. As long as they keep so, not paying us to do it. Yes. So. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> as long as work doesn't notice, I'm not there right now. Um, and I've been getting texts. <laughs> so. Well, mute the phone and let's go. Yeah. All right. So tell us a little bit about how y'all two, y'all have been around for a long time together. Um, where did y'all meet? We actually met through his brother. His brother was my best friend in high school, and uh, Will was a year younger than me, and he was actually like the younger brother. And uh, he just started coming around when I was about 17, 18. And, uh, yeah, I was just a hang around. He was a hang around, <laughs> and he was just, he listened. Anything I had to talk about, he was always there. He was just a good guy, and I just, I just fell in love with him. Yeah, there you go. Quickly. You're pretty. You're easy to listen to. <laughs> Pro tip. <laughs> so from there, um, you know, Will went to work for AT&T. Now, were you doing any, well, the restaurants before that too, um, but were you doing any cooking before you got into any of that? What was your you know, background? Were you backyard cook? Was your father any of that? How did you stumble onto that? In, no, I, I guess it was just kind of dumb luck for me. Uh, I was involved. I worked at a barbecue restaurant through high school, but I really wasn't. Uh, you know, I started as a busboy. I worked my way into the kitchen. Um, I was called a kitchen manager, really had no responsibility other other than <laughs> making sure the place didn't burn down. Uh, but the, the gentleman who owned the place, he ran the pits. Uh, I never really learned anything. It wasn't until uh, we were married and had kids and, and bought a house and we bought a pit for the driveway and, and started messing around on it and uh, I just kind of took to it. And how were those first cooks? Um, you know we had issues for sure. You know I wasn't <laughs> trying to impress anybody beyond myself and, and, and my family uh, but yeah there was plenty of instances there where it wasn't really edible. From places where you ate at was there any influence from that? Um, you know, were you, was there any particular barbecue joint that you were aspiring to be? You know, we didn't we didn't travel a lot with young children, uh, uh, so we were we kind of were here in our bubble. And at that time, there really wasn't much beyond chain restaurants here to eat at. So barbecue really wasn't if if we weren't cooking it in the driveway, it really wasn't on our radar. I think that's one of the things that that Brian and I have really come to appreciate and love about your barbecue is. The one, I guess, if you want to call it a downside to how popular barbecue's gotten is you're tasting a lot of the same barbecue now, a lot of the places you go, and your barbecue has its own flavor profile, and it's different from, you know, place A, place B, place C, that's all heavy salt and pepper, not much else, and there's nothing wrong with that. We love that style of barbecue, too, but there's a uniqueness and a personality to your barbecue that, that Brian and I both have really come to enjoy it. it. It took us a while to get used to because we're like, okay, there, there's not a ton of coarse black pepper on here. Right. That, isn't that what everyone's supposed to do? But it's not what everyone's supposed to do. It's, right. You do, you cook to your, you know, to what tastes good to you, I guess. And, and I think that was the benefit of not doing market research is is that we, we just kind of figured out what we liked. Uh, and, and then, you know, of course, forcing, upon, forcing our food upon friends and family uh, yeah. and getting honest feedback from them. Uh, so we really didn't base what we do on anybody else. It was just, a, you know, how we learned to do it on our own. It, it's interesting because it reminds us a lot of Evie Mays with, with Arnis, who, 
you know, he didn't go out and eat Central Texas right. barbecue. And so the flavors and what he's putting in his rub is, is unique. It's not like anybody else's. Right. Um, and especially today, you can get a lot of good barbecue. Um, and there's a lot of profiles that are very similar in flavor profile. But um, definitely what you have is unique and it's good. <laughs> and it's, but it's nice that it's, it's something a little different than everybody else. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. So um, you know, obviously you guys are married. You have young kids. Will's working a day job, going, uh, working at AT&T, um, but those driveway cooks are starting to become more of a regular thing. Yeah, we just decided that uh, we wanted to do something with it. I said, it's really good, babe. Why don't we just kind of see where this goes? And uh, I started putting out marketing into anything that was free, and uh, it, it, it hit, and we started getting very small catering things. And then their friends of that friend would call and then, you know, somebody worked at a company and then they would call us to come do a small little catering at the company. And and it just, it rolled really quick, much quicker than we thought it would. Once we started really pushing it and like pushing it on Facebook and stuff like that, it really picked up pretty fast. That's one good thing about, I guess, social media and the internet these days is you don't have to pay for marketing anymore the way you did 10, 15 years ago. Right. You can be your own marketing and your plates are your own marketing and people taking pictures of them, which we'll get into in a little while, right. is it's, it, you know, it's, it's free advertising for your restaurant, good and bad. But right. But once uh, once that started to get the ball rolling with catering and, and jobs like that, um, what when did you finally decide to make the leap into, OK, this is going to be an actual business. I'm going to you know, we're, we're going to invest in this and it's going to try to be something full time. <laughs> Will had no more vacation time at AT&T. Yeah. <laughs> we would use it up quick. Quick. And his boss was actually really supportive and told Will that he needed to do it. He loved Will to death. He was a great employee at AT&T, but he was like, you got something special. You need to do this. And uh, we sat down and said, hey, we have two small kids. We should just like not have a job and start a barbecue restaurant. <laughs> that, that's a huge leap, right? It's, it was it's, huge. It's a huge leap. It was huge. We prayed a lot. We that, prayed a whole, whole lot. That, I think that was the hardest decision of it all, was to walk away from a, a, a guaranteed thing, um, benefits that were paid for, uh, that supported the entire family. Uh, that was definitely a leap. But we always wanted something. I mean, no, not a lot of people know. I posted a few, a few weeks ago about uh, a T-shirt that we had, had made that we had bought some property out off of... Um, 1097 and we were actually going to start a ice house and um we started it with family and which is difficult because there's just so many people you know trying to have you know decisions and stuff and uh it didn't it didn't go well and we ended up selling the property but we really learned a lot from it and we always knew we wanted something we wanted something on our own we didn't know what and uh, when this hit, we were kind of like, I think this is it. I think this is what we want. We really want to do. Sorry. Well, and from um, you know, for people that are listening that want to make this leap, it's one of the things we really like to talk about is kind of that that transition. But um, it sounds like a lot of what you did preparation-wise, other than some experience in restauranting, which is important, was building that fan base. Um, you know, Brotherton's another one that did it his second time around, built an audience before they opened. Uh, other than that, is there anything else you'd like to say to somebody that's thinking about this? Be prepared to work a lot. I mean, a lot. If you really, really want to make it, 
and really want to have the best food out there, be prepared to work a lot and put everything into it, including anything you make, you know, from sides to sausages to your seasonings or anything. Uh, make it your own and have a lot of faith. <laughs> yes, I, I think a lot of people, well, I, I don't want to say I, you work a lot of hours. So when you start this thing on your own, especially with the way that we started it with a very small budget, uh, very, you know, cheaply bought equipment, um, we were the ones doing all the work. There was nobody else to fall back on or shoulders to put it on. Um, so, you know, it was, it was 20, 22 hours a day, every day of the week. And you're um, still here every day you're open. We're still here I every mean, day. I mean, I, mean I can't tell you a time that I've came and not seen one of you cutting behind the counter. If, if we're not here, the doors don't open. That's just as simple as it gets. I still cook every ounce of meat that we put out, and, and uh, Nicole and I have a hand in every ounce that's sliced that goes out of the kitchen. Um, it's important to us. It's our baby. Yeah, we care you know? about it too much. We do. We try to step away, and it just doesn't work. We, You know, we've... We've walked. We've not been here one time. Of course, he came in and did the pits and everything, and he left around noon. We had an emergency with the family, and I think that's the one and only time in eight years that uh, we've left and just kind of told the guys, "Hey, deal with it." You know, we. But other than that, it's it's ours, and we don't really know what to do if we're not here. I think I'd be too nervous. (laughs) I'd be kind of freaking out if we were like, "Hey, let's go do something." I'd be like calling the guys constantly and they'd be like uh it's okay they wouldn't actually enjoy the time off it would be a constant right and i we trust our guys completely i mean our team is amazing i mean i don't think we could express that enough what a fabulous team we have um but it's ours no it's it's great though because you you want to make sure that it stays it's to your standards um, I know we've talked before coming in, you know, it's the what would Nicole do mentality <laughs> in the restaurant. You know, everybody's of the same frame of mind, but um, but it's not easy. It's a lot of hours and it it's it's not it's still a lot of hours. Right. right. So but at the beginning, it's definitely was um, even more, especially as you're doing this on your own. Um, what was it like in the trailer from from what I've read? You know, because you had that fan base, it's not like it was completely empty, but it's not the same as it is today. It was scary. Um, I, yeah, I think it was. we were within the first two weeks still, and Nicole was like, go back to work. Yeah. Like, we're not going to make it. You need to call your boss at AT&T, and you need to go I was terrified. I cried every day. I'd sit there and count yeah. the money in the register and be like, oh, we're never going to do it. Yeah. And, and, and throwing product away. You know, we, we've always held that, that uh, the no reheat. The no reheat policy here. So if you the have The fire a, department got a lot of food. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I mean, a we lot called of food churches and fire departments and, and give away food at the end of the day that we were unable to sell, and, and that cost money. And we ate a lot of barbecue. Well, that's one thing that we've talked about before um, with you guys for years is the commitment to quality, you know, as far as the, the products you source, the products you serve, and the products you won't serve, for that matter, have been there since day one. And I, it's a decision that you have to make when you open a business. I don't. It's kind of hard to make that transition halfway through, like, now I'm going to care about what I'm right. serving. So you guys have had that from the very beginning, um, and I believe 2012, 2013 is probably about the first time we had the, you know, we had your food at the trailer on Booty Road. How did, you know, how did that spot come to be? Like, how did you guys end up where you ended up next to a big? Very lot? sudden, <laughs> man. What a nightmare. Very, that was. it was a nightmare. <laughs> we were supposed to be at another location. I won't mention where. And uh, after Will had already quit his job, and we were two weeks out from opening. They decided that they didn't want a food truck in their city, so we. Uh, I bawled my eyes out to the lady telling us no, and she was kind of like, nah. And uh, 
we drove around for hours and we found that spot and it's been there forever it used to be a u-haul place and we went next door and talked to david over at dr detail and uh he was like sure i'll rent it to you and i think i got down on my knees and was like thanking the good lord because it was it was just it was kind of meant to be like you look back on it it was just kind of a meant to be place i don't it would have never worked out where we were going to be originally so it was just kind of one of those things that you know everything happens for a reason and we got that spot we moved in it didn't take much to open threw up some picnic tables and uh we opened and our grand opening was amazing because all of our friends and everybody we'd ever catered to and everything we put out a blast to everybody went door to door to all the shops around us and uh i, I would say we even probably, even that other barbecue joint uh, yeah well, right to them <laughs> <laughs> and then i think we ended up with like three or four hundred people that day we ran out wow. of food and uh so we looked forward to that to the next week and it was a lot slower yeah <laughs> yeah that didn't happen again for a while yeah that's yeah, one of those scary things once once the early you know all your friends or family everyone that's known you or knows of you comes it's right. then building that you know loyal group of customers that's going to keep coming back um and you guys were, were fortunate you were putting out good food and a few months after you opened miss allison cook came by and i believe that was that was the first big press i think you guys mm-hmm. got absolutely the houston chronicle, was, huge chronicle for us. was i think the biggest uh explosion of business we've still seen today yeah we didn't know what to do and, I mean, it, and it kept us there yeah it uh, did it brought the people and they just stayed after that and that was and it uh, just stayed busy that was early 2012 that i believe you guys got the review or yeah i think yeah okay. 2012 and uh allison cook was nominated for a james beard award for her review of you guys yeah, that's right um, um, look it up. It's you know. It's we were reading it in preparation for the interview, and it was it was kind of cool to go back and just see what was said early. And it's like, man, that's. I mean, it's the it's, food hasn't changed. No, it's very. I think it's gotten better and better and better. But it's you know the base of what you guys are doing right. today was still there back then, and that was six years ago. Um, but you know things started to grow from there. Um, I, I believe 2013 was the first Texas monthly list mm-hmm. you guys made. Um, which was big for Houston. I mean, Houston barbecue started to grow around that same time as well. But you guys were kind of at the forefront of that. Right. Gatlin's was there, uh, and you guys were opening. And then you know Ronnie Killen came along a couple of years later and started mm-hmm. doing pop ups, and then eventually opened also. Yeah, getting into Texas Monthly was pretty awesome because we remembered reading Texas Monthly before we even started the trailer. We were barely just doing catering, and it was just like we're going to do this. We're going to. And that get was that. one of the quotes that I saw that was kind of your target one yeah. of your targets that definitely on, was you know? yeah I was I, I remember uh, being at the grocery store and seeing that issue on the stand and buying it and I took it to work with me and, and I carried it around with in my in my work truck with me and I would just I would read about it and I'd read all the you know the 50 barbecue joints in there I'd read about their histories and who owned it and and if they're running the pits and and uh, it was it was truly that article changed my mind and, and my outlook on on what we were going to do so what what speaking of pits what was your first bit that you you started with <laughs> so the one when we bought the house uh, i went to academy and and i called her when i got there because i found uh, the smallest oklahoma joe's you could <laughs> buy uh it was it was gray and uh it would hold one brisket and uh, i think it was about two hundred dollars and i had to beg nicole to open up our bank account so i could get that pit <laughs> A little yeah. leaky too. Yeah. yeah, it was leaky. I mean, but that thing would cook pork like nobody's business. And if I, I, I regret 
selling that pit. And as a matter of fact, my son cried as I was helping the gentleman carry it out to his pickup <laughs> he truck. He really did. He's he did not want that pit to go. Extremely sentimental, and it was huge for him because he knew that's where we started, and it meant a lot to him. How long was, ago was that? Oh, he was only what five. I was like, you remember he's, it like it was 11, yesterday, the way you're six talking. Six years yeah. ago, wow. he was, or he, no, I think he was actually four because he was in pre-K. He was three or four. Yeah. He was very sentimental then. He's exactly the same now. <laughs> <laughs> he is. And he spent a lot of time in the driveway with me. So what did you, what did you start at the, at the trailer? At the Cadillac was your second pit. Cadillac was, was the pit? second. There was a Cadillac uh, is, is in Missouri and there's, I think three other pit makers in Missouri who actually build. our second was the trailer pit. Yeah, yeah, we've had plenty, but that's what we started the business with. Yes, we started the business with the Cadillac. Uh, so there was, well, it wasn't the Cadillac. There was three other companies in Missouri who built very similar pits, and this guy was, uh, uh, I guess, the the rinkiest of them all. And so we were we were able to get it for a very fair price. We drove up to Missouri, we drove and picked there. it up, yeah. uh, and it was it was essentially the same thing as a Cadillac. It was just a single door rotisserie. That's right. It's the pit that uh, Willow Willow Villarreal has been using for a long time. Uh, I sold it to him. And, um, and that was rotisserie something that you knew you wanted? Was it? Why did you pick a rotisserie? Space. I, I picked it for volume, sheer volume. Um, I knew I needed more than, than a, your typical uh, barrel smoker uh, that I could afford. Um, you know, these were thin wall pits. Uh, that was the main feature of it was a rotisserie. It had an electric motor. And uh, so volume was really what I was looking for. Yeah, we had a very um, small space to put something. We couldn't put, you know, three or four pits. We had to get something that would hold the capacity of two or three pits. Yeah. And, it, and it changed. I think, you know, that also helped me learn the craft because I've cooked on so many different pits. That pit in particular was more of a direct heat pit. Uh, the way that the firebox setup was, those racks would roll right over the fire as it cooked. So I had to... You know, I, I had to look at it and learn each individual pit and figure those out in order to keep our quality. So from, from a menu standpoint, your menu's been, it's, you know, it's, it's grown a little bit over time, but a lot of the core menu items you know, that you guys have had have been there since the beginning of the truck. And I know barbecue tacos have gotten really, really popular over the last few years. Um, not to say you guys invented barbecue tacos, yeah. but you were doing them for, you know, for a long time. Um, was that from, like, whose idea was that? Whose kind of manifestation of the menu is that? That's this lady's right here. <laughs> we actually had a catering, and, you know, we cut up all the meat at home, and we brought it all, and I think there was probably a couple of pounds of uh, pork left. And uh, when we got home, of course, that's really all we had to eat. So um, we made tacos, and then that's when we came up with the green chili ranch because it needed something. So we made the green chili ranch. We built the tacos and we were like wow these are really good and then the next night we had pork left over again and that was again that was all we had to eat so <laughs> yeah anyone listening out we there we made the uh pulled pork uh potato that's where we came up with the corkscrew potato we put the coleslaw on it the pico de gallo the uh pulled pork and the green chili ranch yeah. those leftover meals sometimes create like the greatest they things did. and you're like oh wait i can do we this we just every kept day. making different items with it and then we did the bobbert which is also the whatever meat in the green chili ranch with the pico de gallo and people just they love those yeah. well, we also did, knew did that at the throwdown right the the first throwdown was i know you had the green chili ranch it was a green chili ranch taco i just can't yes. remember what was in it yes yeah that was, it was, it was. A pulled pork yeah, and that one tell us about the poncho and lefty and how you came up with that <laughs> so the when i worked at a barbecue restaurant in high school uh 
I would always put mayonnaise on my sliced beef sandwiches. I thought it was delicious. I mean, after you, when I worked there, I, I, I worked plenty of hours, so I'd really eat three square meals a day at that restaurant. And uh, it doesn't take long to try to figure out, you know, how can I rearrange this and, and appease my palate. Um, so that's really where the mayonnaise came from. And then, you know, we had the ingredients laying around. We had the pico to pico and we had the uh, green chili ranch so i was like well let's throw all this together and see what happens and came up with the poncho and life there it is and, and of course i'm a huge willie fan so uh it was anna Merle fan so poncho and lefty was a no-brainer there you go just kind of fell right into place um so going back to the trailer days a little bit i know saturdays were a little bit different for you guys you did beef ribs and chicken on saturdays and that's still carried over here um You've done some really good specialty items on different special events you guys have done. I know you did a really awesome prime rib, I believe. Was that, when was that? Was that the last the barbecue festival? Two ago. Two ago. Our, our years are mixed up at this point. We've been to so many of these events, we can't Absolutely. remember what it is. But are those dishes hard to recreate or to do in large volume? Because I know, like, everyone has talked to us before. It's like, oh, they're going to have that at the restaurant. I was like, I don't know how you can do that on a daily basis. Uh, I just think that we like to stick to a what it is that we know most people are coming for and of course like prime rib that's just something that's kind of hard to hold yeah you know once you cut it it's the clock's ticking right and um we like to do those kind of things we like to do the things that we know that are hard to hold at events because we can just you know get it out um or at you know private events that we do here we'll do more specialty stuff but we have to cook so much, we typically don't even have the room to add a specialty item. Um, Saturdays are difficult with getting chickens and beef ribs added to the mix. Yeah, plus we like, you know, that's that's where we can, we feel like we can branch out a little bit and, and be creative. And, and uh, here though, I mean, we, I think, you know, we just, like she said, we really like to keep it simple and focus on what we know and what, I mean, what the customers know us for and uh and brisket's king you know so i to to take room away uh, and not cook as many briskets as we do to put something else on there just it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us and i we like the festivals you know and it, it i think it helps you know people come back to our tent and to see what we're doing because it's not necessarily going to be anything they can get any other time and that's it i mean you know we're at it's the houston barbecue fest so a lot of the people who come to the barbecue fest have eaten at the restaurant so doing the barbecue fest out here in Houston, we want it to be something maybe a little bit different than what they've gotten when they come to the restaurant and stand in line and wait. We want to give them something, hey, look, we can do this too. We can, you know, do the pork belly or the prime rib or, you know, the different kinds of tacos from what we normally have. And it just, you know, gives them a little something special that they don't normally see on a daily basis. So, so back at the trailer, um, you guys had started to make a commitment to your food source and your food quality. Tell us a little bit about what that was and what what your philosophy is. Um, I think my biggest, one of my biggest things was, I know this is not the same for a lot of people, mine was uh, humanely raised animals. And um, I I was adamant to finding products that were farm raised and not you know in these what you see these you know horrific videos of some of these animals and uh we just made it it was a very hard option uh creekstone was one of the first that we found that was pasture raised and you know treated humanely uh slaughtered humanely and um it i guess with what we do it it 
gave me just a little bit. It's like we had a responsibility yeah. in a sense, you know, if we're, if we're going to do this and, and plow through this much food, we should try to do it in, in the most responsible manner that we, we can. Um, and it had a lot to do with, you know, this is the success of cooks, you know, how they were, how the briskets were turning out, if they were doing what you wanted them to do, um, you know, it, it helped us in that aspect as well. You go to a prime grade of beef, you have a better success rate of the meat that's coming off of your pit. And being humanely raised, they're not stressed out when they when they do go to slaughter, which makes a huge uh, difference in in the meat. And you know, some say yes and some say no. We find we've tried. I can't even tell you how many vendors and our own vendors who've brought us prime after prime after prime after prime. And we literally finally would sit down with them and we would cook their briskets and our brisket, number the trays, tell them to pick out their favorite. They pick Creestone every time. And it was, it just, it made a difference. The, the meat quality is, is phenomenal. We've tried tons of briskets and we just, as expensive as Creekstone is, it was important to us to give our customers exactly what they came for. Mm-hmm. You know, as a customer of a lot of restaurants, we wanted the same thing. We want you know? the best. You we know? want them to get. They stand in line for a long time. We want them to be happy. You want your money's worth, right? But you're you're also gonna have that faction of customers that doesn't understand why am I paying this price for this? So I mean, there's also it's on our menu. Yeah, and there's an edu- educational website. aspect to that, to where you you do have to teach the consumer. You know, and the consumer does learn. I think the majority of people that come here now probably come here not not just because you serve prime brisket or right. or main you know humanely raised meats and mm-hmm. things like that, but because they know there's a flavor difference there. Right. You know, between meat that's raised properly, you know, meat has the right fat ratios and things like that. Um, and, and it does take, you know, we've, we've seen it before at different places where it depends on the market that you're in, too. Some places may not care and may not want to pay for that. Right. That's but, very true. Absolutely. That's very true. But if you're in the right market for it, you know, and, and you've got those convictions that you guys have, it works. Um, as long as the customer realizes and comes to appreciate over time, you know, why it's done the way it is. And, and I've talked to a lot of customers when they're like, I can't believe how expensive this is. And I just asked them, have you ever gone to the grocery store and bought all natural prime from the butcher and got a sirloin steak i mean you're going to pay 24 25 dollars a pound yep. and then you have to cook it and you're going to lose stuff yep. you've been to a steakhouse where you get a ribeye and there's it's bone in you know you end up with a 12 ounce steak that costs you 50 dollars. it's no different for us yep. you know we're buying a premium quality meat and it it you have to charge for it. I mean, we don't <laughs> brisket for us is here for y'all. We don't we don't make anything off of brisket. It's it would be impossible. We'd have to charge the thirty, forty dollars a pound to actually get something to where it was making money. But we're not we, we can't do that. We're not in the market area to do that. But we try to be fair with our price. You know it price goes up for everybody you it, know prices it's, it's have to go up for us it's a struggle on the consumer side as well but Absolutely. you know I, I think there's a little more a little more acceptance once they start looking at the prices and if you go to the grocery store like you said i mean i yeah ex- i mean go try to buy a brisket at the grocery store a prime brisket and especially like at heb the prime one which still isn't quite the same as as what you guys are getting right it's lower end prime yeah and so and and by the time you cook that you've spent 
a lot of money. You're a spending lot. $10 a pound or more minimum. Right. Well, I think and part of that mental block is everyone always saw barbecue as cheap food. Absolutely. You, you know, and it's not anymore, it's and it shouldn't be. It's been a long time, though, but it's been cheap. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. when Will and I would go, like, way back in the day, and we'd go to, uh, what was it, Luther's? Yes, yep. I don't judge me. That oh, was like no. twenty years oh, yeah, ago. Oh, you can yeah. eat ribs. Oh, yeah. And it, but it was expensive. Yeah. It wasn't cheap. I, I always remember barbecue being the more expensive of it. Your cost is meat, meat and dairy, yep. two most expensive things to any restaurant or any home. And uh, I mean, you've seen where they list now have a meat-free dinner, you know, to help save costs through the week for supper at home, and. Uh, it's, I don't think it's any different really for any restaurant or any family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people don't bat an eye of growing and spending $50, $60 on an eight out steak at a steakhouse, right. but they see $20 a pound on brisket and they're like, how is it that much? It's the same cow. It is people. the same thing. It's just a different part of it. Well, right? you know, and after we have people who eat, they, you know, they might be like, wow, at the register, then they'll come back up after they've eaten and they're like, okay, it was worth every penny. Thank y'all. Yeah, I, mean, I understand like, it now. It's constant. Yeah. The best, the best education. We, we can say all these words until we're blue in the face, but that the best education is that first bite. Uh, and if you can get them to open their eyes to that first bite and say, wow, what is it that I'm eating right now? This is delicious. They'll want to learn more. So naturally they'll, they, it'll just and they follow do. the course it's of their education. It's very few and far between that we have people who really balk at the price because really all restaurants are expensive oh, yeah. now. Yeah. You know, food is expensive. Yeah. And you can't go to chain restaurants without spending 30 bucks a person easy. now. Easy. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's a business. We yeah. have to make a profit. I mean, we both work here. We don't have another <laughs> job. <laughs> and and to give a little credit, other than, than Creekstone, you guys are using the, the Compart Duroc ribs. Yeah. We are. You know, size of a baby's arm. Usually speaking, they've got good size to them, good fat content. And those are also a uh, humanely raised product. And I did literally talk to the family, the the Compart family um, via email to go over exactly how they're raised, exactly how they're taken care of and fed. And um, we went back and forth and I printed it all out. I'm going to hang it all up for everybody to read. And their pork is amazing. It's a great product. It really, really is. is a good product. Yeah, one thing we're, we're jumping ahead to the restaurant days, but this is still one of my favorite things about your restaurant is you have a sign by the register telling you what lean meat, you know, lean brisket is and moist brisket is. Yeah. And I love that because there are so many times, and we've watched it at a million barbecue joints where the natural thing for everyone to say is if you, you know, do you want lean or moist? Everyone's going to say moist no yeah. matter what because right. no one thinks, oh, I don't want my food to not be moist. Right. And then they get in like, oh, but there's seam fat running through, you know, and, and they don't understand it. And so I think it's actually brilliant. I know, like, I remember there's some blogger who I won't name, but some blogger that said, oh, but that's like talking down to the customer. No, it's not. It's, it's educating the customer. It's letting them know I remember that. so that they get the exact slice that they want. And that's it. You know, after we opened at the trailer, we had a lot of people who didn't understand, which was fine. I mean, we didn't understand years before that. Um, so, and we had to be educated on it. And uh, once we, we wanted them to get what they wanted, I prefer the lean. I mean, I love the lean with the little bit of fat cap. That's my favorite. He loves the moist. So we both can see both sides of where somebody would be like, what, you know, this is a lot of fat. So we make sure they understand it's rendered just like a, you know, you get a ribeye steak and it's got the rendered fat in it versus a New York strip where you're gonna have more of the fat just on the outside. And we will explain it like that to people when they when they're still kind of confused by what the menu says. Right. 
Um, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I love ribeye. Yeah, I want that one. Because, you know, one of the things we've said is it, it's if you say moist, everybody wants moist. Right. right. <laughs> they don't want, even if it's lean, they want it to be moist lean. Right. And right. if you right. call it fatty, everyone's going to say, I don't yes. want fatty. Yeah. That, right. that, that sounds gross. It's, I mean, it's a tough thing because yeah. there's not, it's not clear. I mean, it really isn't for people that are new to the brisket game. So the more we educate them, the less food we take back, the more money we save. And, the, and then, the you know, we're able to afford these expensive and the happier briskets. happier people are because they get... It's like you're saying a cuss word. Yeah. You know, profanity. They get what they f- want. <laughs> All right. I guess we'll pause for that. The trains that run by Corkscrew Barbecue blowing their train whistles was a good stopping point for part one of our episode with Corkscrew. Tune in next week for the conclusion of our episode with Will and Nicole. And be sure to follow along on Instagram at Tales from the Pits, on Twitter at BBQ Podcast. And you can also email us any questions at talesfromthepits at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app to get the latest episodes when they post. And be sure to follow Corkscrew Barbecue on all of their social media platforms. They are at Corkscrew BBQ on all social media.